welcome to Jenny in the Corner Office, episode number seven, Millennial DreamWorks. I'll be hosting today's podcast and all the other ones. Who am I? I'm Jen Shell, an Associate Portfolio Manager with Treegrove Investment Management Inc. So last time, we broke down the net worth statement, and to help you remember how to do that, I composed my very first single, Your Net Worth It. Now, to help inspire you to build your net worth, I'll be showcasing a young entrepreneur who will show you that age is just a psychological barrier and that you can do anything you put your mind to. In fact, today we're going to discuss the millennial dream of entrepreneurship. Can you guess what that is? I'm going to give you some clues. What's minimalistic, experience-based, and all within budget. Ready? What can it be? Ladies and gentlemen, I bring you an episode about, that's my drum roll, tiny houses. Who doesn't love a tiny house? I figured that since everyone is so obsessed with real estate these days, that we should finally discuss some real estate, right? And you're welcome. To help us on our quest, I have invited an expert special guest. He's a millennial. He came to Canada to pursue the North American dream, and he also started and sold a tiny house business in Belgium. Well, now he's right here on an episode of Jenny in the Corner Office, and let's give a very, very warm welcome to Louis de Kaiser also known as Louis D.K. for the simplicity of this episode and for me being able to pronounce things properly. Welcome, Louis. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. It's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, So welcome. And we know that you had a tiny house business Mm -hmm. and we know you're from Belgium, but that's, that's all we really know about you at this point. And we all know that when you're starting a business, that getting started is the hardest thing to do. Right. So you have an incredible life story. Can you tell us what the first step is? Right. So um, I guess I'll answer this question with the experience I've had with the tiny house business uh, specifically. And it kind of started without knowing I was starting a business. So mm-hmm. I got into woodworking when I was nine years old. My parents moved from the big city to a small town. So literally from a city with 250,000 people, which isn't huge, but in Belgium it's quite sizable, to a town with 6,000 people. So it was quite the opposite for me. And they were constructing a new house, and I was fascinated by the process, and especially woodworking and carpentry and anything like that. Um, So I started trying things out myself, trying to make things myself. And I got a drill from my grandpa, from $50, you know, Black & Decker. I don't know if that's a thing here in America. but Yeah, we have those too. You have those too. Great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's how I started. And it it stayed a hobby for the next four to five years um, until I, I got a big opportunity to renovate an office. And it was just a friend of a friend of a friend. It's kind of coincidental. And this project was something I did on the weekend because I was still in school. And it just kind of started my career in woodworking because it gave me the means to buy machinery and um, it was a pretty sizable project so I could show it to other people and they were very impressed. 
And so I started, you know, doing more and more of that. And after two years of being in high school, and in the meantime, doing all this, this woodworking stuff, uh, we decided together with my parents and my school to try homeschooling so that I have more time to work on my woodworking skills, basically. And that's kind of, you know, that kept going for a while um, until 2016 or 2015, actually. And I went to California in 2015 with a friend of a friend's, of a friend's house. Um, they were like, hey, you can stay with us if you want. Uh, in exchange for building us a tiny house. I'm like, okay, I've never heard of a tiny house before, but I've done, you know, all the pieces that, you know, that go into it, like building a kitchen and uh, doing some construction work and all that kind of stuff. So I thought, like, if I put all that experience together, you know, it probably end up being looking something like a house. So <laughs> I I tried it out, and I got back home to Belgium after a three-month trip. And people started asking me, like, hey, could you build a, a tiny house for us? And so that's kind of how the tiny house business started. And after a few weeks of doing that, I had a Facebook page. People started hitting me up and, like, asking for interviews. Uh, it got national television in Belgium pretty quickly. And so, yeah, it, it kind of happened without me realizing I was building a business. So that's how I got started. Wow, that's amazing. Are there differences in tiny houses versus other houses when you're building them to scale? So for me, uh, when I talk about tiny houses, I talk about small wooden houses on wheels. So they're about 24 by 8 feet um, and 14 feet high. So it's like seven and a half meters by two and a half meters by four meters high. And um, like that's a tiny house for me. And what's different is that there are very different stresses on the structure because, yeah. you know, you're driving on the road, literally. And, you know, a regular house is not meant to drive on the road. Yeah. So the structure looks a little different, but there are a lot of comparisons um, and one thing I love about tiny houses is that you really have to think about design because in a regular house there is enough space to do pretty much anything you want right like if you build a kitchen you can use standard units because you don't really have to worry about it but in a tiny house everything is custom made so we started asking uh, or we started with asking the client like what are your priorities in life like what what do you need the most like an architect will need a big table right and a cook will need a big kitchen, but you can't have both. So yeah. it's like, what what do you want most? And uh, then we designed around that. So that's a big difference between a tiny house and you know a regular house. I know this might be a silly question, but how do bathrooms bathrooms work in a tiny house? Yeah, so it's that's the first question everyone has. So <laughs> oh. It's funny, yeah. Well, <laughs> so it's definitely that. not silly. Um, there are a few options. So one is what a lot of people did is actually hooking up to an existing house. Um, because that's also the legal way to um, park a tiny house. Like every house can have a tiny house on their property and um, you can just connect the utilities to the existing house, which is the easiest and the cheapest way. Uh, but then there are also chemical toilets and composting toilets and all that kind of stuff. But that's a little harder to live in, of course. Um, but that was definitely used as well. Interesting. So is yeah. it the same with kitchens? It's the same with the kitchen. Well, so there is this thing called gray water and black water yeah and black water would be your toilet and the gray water would be your sink and your shower and stuff like that because it's not fully contaminated right um and so like few people or most people actually had a tank outside that would catch the gray water and then you could filter it or you could just bring it away oh, so how do you get rid of it yeah so um it depends on the situation but for most people you can use it in the garden if you're using um you know, safe products or environmentally friendly products. Um, and then others had 
I'm not sure what it's called. Like, a, um, it's a big pond, and you put certain plants in it, and it filters the water. And you heard of that? No, no. Oh, okay. I'll try to but look it, for that. It sounds very environmentally friendly. Right. Yeah. We're, we're pro sustainability and environmentally being environmentally friendly here at Jenny in the corner office. And also, like, you have to remember this house is really small, right? Yeah. So your usage is also way lower. Like, you're not living in a house, in a tiny house with six or seven people, right? Like, there are mostly, like, one or two people, and it's actually not that much, you know, there's not that much waste. Okay. Interesting. Is it insulated? Like, can yeah. you give us an overview of what the structure, what so, you absolutely need in the structure of a tiny house? Right. So you got to think about it as... Um, an RV but it's meant for living so like the walls are uh, they're 14 centimeters thick which is quite a lot and that's just full of insulation and your utilities go in there and all that kind of stuff so it's basically a sustainable RV is how you need to look at it yeah like the windows are regular windows they we see in a normal house the roof is even more it's even thicker it's 24 centimeters so there's a lot of insulation in there and you're also insulating the floor because you're on a trailer, right? So there's a draft below the trailer. Yeah, that's pretty much what the structure looks like. It's very similar to a regular house, just sized down a little bit. We're probably all wondering how much does it cost to build a tiny house? Right, so they actually started, after I sold the business, they started rolling out standard models, which brought down the price, but most people want to get a custom house for them because you know it's a very small space and you want to make sure that they can actually live in it, right? So prices would start at about 50,000. If it's a fully finished house, it would start about 50,000 euros. So that's, you know, times 1.4 for Canadian dollars. Well, thank you for that clarification. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Just saying. And um, then uh, other people, um, a lot of people want to do stuff to their house themselves. And so we would build the shell of the house. And that would start at like 23, 27,000 euros. And then they just finish it themselves the way they want it. So I guess the rules are a little bit different in Belgium than they would be in Canada. Probably, yeah. yeah. So do you, you, you were saying that you need a house already on the existing property so that you can have an addition, which your addition would be a tiny house. Can you explain that? Well, it's interesting because there's definitely a difference between Belgium and Canada. But then we were in Europe, right? Like the, Europe is one market. And every municipality in Europe has different regulations. So in Belgium, we had 530 different municipalities that had different regulations. So it's probably very different in Canada, too. And it's very hard to answer that question. Yeah. Um, okay. But you got to yeah, you gotta look at it with your municipality. And there are certain rules. Like, for example, another rule that could work is if you want to build on your property eventually, we want to build a regular house there. Um, in Belgium, certain municipalities allow you to live in a tiny house for two to three years before you start construction, just so you can live on the job site, so to say. So there are a lot of people doing that too. But it's still a very gray area. Yeah, there is not a lot of regulation about it. So you got to really look into it. Wow. So how did you get the plans for the tiny house? The architectural drawings? Right. So what's cool about tiny houses is that there isn't really a building code. Because technically, one thing, the government or a government is only going to consider a building a building if it's, if it's connected to the ground in a sustainable way. So meaning there's a foundation and all that kind of stuff. And because the tiny houses are on wheels, it's technically not a building. So there is no building code. So that also means that you don't need an architect and you don't need an, an engineer, which is still something we should suggest you look into, but you don't need it. Wow, that's 
mind blown. Just mind blown. <laughs> I think that this is going to spell opportunity for a lot of people in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you've noticed, but people are crazy about real estate in Toronto. Yeah. It's become insane. Um, I think it's calmed down a little bit since then, but not by much. So this notion of tiny houses uh, really appeals to a lot of Torontonians or people living in big cities or even Vancouver. A lot of things you were mentioning as well that you're really uh, mindful about finances Mm -hmm. and you're a millennial and maybe you can kind of share what your views are on financial aspects. So let's start with uh, how do you feel about debt? Okay. That's actually the main reason I, I like the tiny house concept. So when these people in California asked me to build one, I looked at it from a construction perspective, right? And I didn't really think about anything else that you know, that would entail living in a tiny house. It's actually after this trip that I started looking into it. And I noticed in my own life, I have a lot of older friends that are uh, 25, 27, like around 30-ish, let's just say that. Those are some old friends. Yeah, they're old. (laughs) (laughs) Ancient. (laughs) But what was interesting is they're in a life phase where normally, you know, they get the stable job and they get, um, they get like two and a half kids, I think is the average in Belgium, I don't know. And um, they buy a house, so they get a mortgage. And then two years after, they're like, hey, I, I hate my job. And now I have this mortgage and I have to pay for another 28 years and you know I can't change anything about my job and so that that's the biggest reason I love this tiny housing and which is also the reason I started building one for myself is that housing doesn't need to cost that much like it you just I'm just trying to show that there are other options mm-hmm. and especially for younger people that are you know between 20 and 25 don't commit to a mortgage of 30 years. Yeah, you're not even 30 yet. So you don't know how long that is even, right? Just to kind of get your view on how you see things. Mm -hmm. So it's really good. Uh, What's your view on real estate or investments in the stock market? I would say just, I'm not experienced in either. So I don't own real estate and I don't have investments in the stock market, right? But I do believe in investing in people that are doing something you believe in. I think that's kind of the essence of investing and where it came from in the first place. But I see a lot of people not doing it, including my grandfather. Like, I love you, Grandpa, but like (laughs) he invests in companies that are on the other side of the planet because on paper they're doing well or whatever. And I'm like, you know, there are people right here that you know that are doing very innovative things and you could spend your money on them and probably be way safer. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of my point on investing. Yeah, so it's more locally focused. Not necessarily locally, but just like try to find something that you actually believe in as a person yeah. and that you think will succeed. Um, and I think that's a lot of people, or a lot of people are losing that that touch. I would agree. So to invest in something that you actually believe in that aligns with your values, exactly your core values. Yes. Yeah, that's a that's a very smart perspective, I think. Now you're no longer in the tiny house business. Right. You sold the tiny house business Mm -hmm. and now you're on to something else. Can you explain that transition and also tell us what you're going to do next? Sure. So the tiny house business started or just me knowing about tiny houses started because of the United States, right? Like I wanted to go to the United States and then I found these people in California 
then I found out about tiny houses, la 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 la. And as I said before, like I wasn't, it wasn't my intention to start building a business in, back in Belgium because I knew, I've known for a very long time that eventually I wanted to move to the United States. But this opportunity was there and I wanted to pursue it and see where I could take it. And it's been my biggest achievement in life so far. So I'm, I'm glad that I did it. But after a year of running the business, I noticed that it was growing very fast and it was doing really well, which I was, of course, happy with. But I also realized that that wasn't my dream and that, you know, the United States and especially New York, I'm fascinated by New York and I've spent a lot of time there. Um, it was still calling me. And it's actually because of a trip, like a two week trip I took just to get away from it all. And, you know, because things were getting very busy with the business and I needed some space for myself. I went back to New York and I fell in love with it again. And I was like, okay, like, what am I going to do now? Like, am I going to scale this business and make something out of it? Because it was really at a point where I had to make investments and get a bigger space to work at and, you know, hire other people and stuff like that. I was like, am I going to do this or am I actually going to pursue what my my actual dream is? Or am I actually going to pursue my, my, my dreams? And so I decided to get out in the end of 2016. So I sold at the end of 2016, and then I started pursuing my dream of New York City, mm-hmm. moving to New York City. Um, and last year, I spent nine months in the city, and I got into sales and marketing and real estate and all that kind of stuff, like everything I've done before in a way, but I wanted to know more about it. And uh, right now, I'm here in Canada because I'm starting a business in New York, but it takes a long time to set that up. So I'm still working on that. And in the meantime, I'm here in Canada for a year. I have a work permit here. I'm working with some amazing startups here. Okay. And uh, yeah. And in the meantime, I'm working on my New York business. I'm actually going next week again to see if I can set something up or not. Wow. Incredible. So you're financing your major dream with a bunch of little dreams. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so much fun. Yeah. And I guess on your pursuit to greatness and your pursuit for your original goal, uh, what are the biggest obstacles that you faced? For me, I think the biggest one is credibility because I, I I remember dropping out when I was 14. I was looking for a carpenter to learn from because, you know, you're not, you're, you can learn things from YouTube, but it's not everything. Right? right. And so I started looking for people that could teach me that. And it was just a, yeah, a big hassle to convince people that I could do it. And that's that's been constant in my life. But at this at this point, I'm pursuing that because then you know I feel like I have something to prove, and it actually motivates me. Like if someone tells me that you know I'm too young to do something or I'm not qualified to do something, then you know I'm like okay, thank you, and then I'll go do it, right? Um, so that's been my biggest thing, and I'd say like the way I overcome that is by knowing there are a lot of people out there with good intentions. And sometimes you just need one person to believe in you. And I've been very fortunate to have like two or three people over the last six years that have done that for me. And that that has really helped me forward. Yeah, establishing credibility and having people believe in you and your future is great too. Sometimes, would you say that if you have haters, it's a good sign that you're doing something fantastic? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I have this one quote. And it says, like, I know I'm on the right path because things stop being easy. Wow. I would agree to that as well. So, Louis, given that you had so much success in this business of tiny houses, what made you transition into other areas? 
I actually got to know about tiny houses because of the American dream I had way before that. And after a year of running this business, I realized that that dream was still there. And it's actually a trip I took to back to New York, which is the city I love, that made me realize that again. And the business was at a point where I had to make investments. I had to hire people to really make something out of it. And I didn't want to do that because I knew that my my aspirations and my dreams were on the other side of the ocean. So I made the decision to leave my business behind and sell it and use the money to figure out what I wanted to do in New York and how it could get there and what I wanted to do with my life in general. And I figured that that was the right time to do it. So what would you say is next? I spend a, a good a good amount of time on that because I think that whatever you do, you got to make sure that you like doing it. And that's something I noticed with the tiny house stuff too. I got into it really fast and it grew, it grew really fast. And it wasn't what I loved. Like I'm very, I'm very big fan of the concept and I hope it does well, mm-hmm. but it's not what I want to be known for. And, you know, there's this big thing about labeling and stuff like that, but it's a whole different topic that people start me calling you the tiny house guy and then, you know, you're nothing else. <laughs> Literally, yeah. like, oh, yeah. you're the tiny house guy. I'm like, yeah, but I also do this and this and, and the other thing. And that was just kind of reminding me of that, that there's a lot of a lot more stuff that I want to do in my life and I want to pursue or at least look into what that could be. And so, yeah, for me, that was that was New York at first. But, you know, that's very broad, right? It's just a city. Like, what are you going to do there? How are you going to live there? And indeed. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's tough to figure out. And it took me nine months to do that. Um, and I didn't I didn't put a, a deadline on that. It's just, you know, it took me nine months to get there. And now I'm here in Canada still figuring that out. But um, for me, I want to start my business in New York because I know that working for other people is just not for me. And so I want to do my own thing and I want to build out my own thing. And I'm combining all the experience I've had before this, which is something I'm pretty good at it by now (laughs) in my life. It's just whatever you've done before, involve it in what you're doing next, because that helps you with that credibility thing as well. And now I want to make a makerspace in New York City, which is like a space for creatives to um, try out woodworking or to take their kids and learn them something. And just to bring back that creative to our cities. But it's still a concept, so I'll talk about it later more. Okay. So for now, will you be offended if we associate you with a tiny house guy? You know, at this point, <laughs> it's just funny, so I'll roll with it. Okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks, Louis. Well, I'd like to thank you for coming on to Jenny in the Corner Office. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you here, and your story is incredible, and you've inspired me to look into a tiny house situation well thank you yeah for having me it's great and i think that you're an inspiration for not just millennials but for the other generations as well who may have thought about doing something but were too afraid to and we appreciate you for showing us how to do that thank you so if you would like to view louis dk's work and all the projects that he's done in the past please visit www.louisdk.com for pictures of his tiny homes and projects and much, much more. And you can follow his pursuit to achieve the big New York City dream. Once again, thanks for joining me. And now I'll read the corporate disclaimer. See you next time. All content on this podcast is my own and does not necessarily reflect the views of Tree Grove Investment Management, Inc. TIM. 
and brackets. The information provided herein is meant for Canadian residents only, is general in nature and does not contain any financial, legal, tax or investment recommendations or advice. Following or showing interest in a securities issuer on this site is not a recommendation to invest in such issuer securities. Any commentary that might be construed as an endorsement or recommendation on this podcast and or transcripts on a website should not be construed as explicitly or implicitly approved by me or TIM. You agree that you will not communicate any personal or confidential information through this site.